Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all Hey, man, how you doing? Pretty good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. All right, everybody. At Bay Heights Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and it's BayHeightsPod at gmail.com. If you've got any show ideas or any questions, um, we'll uh, address them on air. We'd love to hear anything that anybody brings up with us. So, <clears throat> you know, um, do you remember when we were in grade three, grade four, uh, like a classroom we had with Mrs. Miller Davis and like the portable and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, so one of the, the lasting memories I have when it comes to you and me was like, I don't know if you remember this, was uh, so when we're doing our wrestling matches, and because it was always that period of where, where because we're in the portable and then sometimes we go into the school for gym class or music class or whatever, then we'd walk back to the portable and it's just like the stream of kids walking on their own pace. And if we were in the portable first before the teacher, we would have our mini wrestling match. And, uh, yeah. And if you remember, do you remember a time I, when you put you put me in a pile I, driver? I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> you. Uh, well, yeah. to be to, to to be fair, you weren't exactly the heaviest kid in the world. So <laughs> it was uh, it was it was great that you cooperated. And then um, no, but I didn't though. That's the thing though. That's that was like strength because I was oh. sandbagging you, right? Get some because I didn't think that you were going to be able to get me up because you know like. If someone's sandbagging someone, it's actually really hard to pick them up. Super hard, super hard. Yeah. Right. Um, So I I think I remember. Yeah. So yeah, I gave you a, I gave you a pile driver and I think I, as I was trying to pick you up, I was almost trying to say like, don't worry, I got this. Like I'm going to protect you. Um, Which you did. You did. I mean, it was funny because I have a vivid memory of the image of looking at the room from upside down and, uh, I can see all the other, well, not all, there was not everybody, because people were still coming in the room. And there was still a few students all just looking at us, right? A few classmates. Yeah. Um, just watching what's going on. Um, I remember that. You were very active because you were a high flyer, jumping off tables, like going. Oh, couple of yeah, it's still, it's yeah. a little bit less than that now. But I will say that, <laughs> yeah. I will say that every time now with kids involved, uh, my kids, my friends' kids, I mean, when there's a bouncy castle, I'm, <laughs> I, I I don't volunteer to be the parent in there because some some parents kids are quite vicious and you know their okay. kids will like like really just like like sandbag you and just like you know mule kick you and like sack you and all this okay. stuff and it's just like I mean, you, like Goldberg yeah yeah you can't exactly punch someone's kid even though I get a few shots in but um yeah I'll, I'll muck around with the kind of the kids that I know I inevitably it turns into a wrestling match and I'll do my own commentary and. I'll, you know, submit 30 kids in a row and, you know, <laughs> pin them also. Uh, you can, how's the saying go? You can't take the wrestler out of the guy type of thing. Well, whatever, however that phrase goes, but yeah, it's, it's still, it still goes it's, on until this day. Just, it's a bit amusing to me. Like you pull up a pile driver, a move that is considered so dangerous today that the WWE itself will not let its wrestlers do it. Yep. That's um, right. Uh, probably with good reason, I guess. If you think about the fact that where did we do it now, these kids don't even know what that thing is. So anyway, yeah. Um, uh, so the reason I brought it up, all right, man. Um, you brought it up to me, like, we're just a bit of a departure, trying something else out. We're going to talk about Montreal screw job. Um, so 
Just to recap for people who may not be fully aware, 1997, sorry, not 97. Yes. No, you're right. Yes, yeah, right. I'm just getting confused with the rocks here the year after. The Survivor Series 1997, Brent the Hitman Hart, he was going to face Shawn Michaels for the championship. Bret Hart, I mean, it's really interesting. I'm sort of just maybe even simplifying a bit much. It's just about that. Because the story really begins, I would say, a, about a, really it was like a, year. a year and a half it before was, that. It was like that, yeah. WrestleMania, WrestleMania 12, really. Um, because Bret loses to Sean. Bret's going to take some time. I, figured, I don't remember if he was out of contract, but Sean was going to run with the belt and the company, lead the company for the next seven months of the summer, the summer of Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart comes back the following Survivor Series. He signs a 20-year deal with the WWF, who he, they basically had to try and compete with WCW. He didn't want to go to WCW, understandably. He didn't think it was going to be used well. So now you've got 12 months in the WWF, and as they approach the Survivor Series a year later, in 97, after he'd come back, the WC, Vince is saying to Bret, I don't know if I have the resources to pay you your contract. Maybe you should see if you can get your deal with WCW. Back. And then, yeah, see if you can go get a new deal, like to see if you get the offer. And they were very willing to offer him. And so they signed it. He was going to be released from his WWF contract. is basically 20-year-plus lifetime deal with the company um, and go to WCW. But he was the champion. And in wrestling, you don't leave the company without losing the championship to someone else so that they can continue the run. It just doesn't, it was not done to allow someone else to leave as a champion. And um, he didn't want to lose to Sean because they had a personal rivalry going all the way back to, to several years back. He lost to Sean at WrestleMania 12. He thought Sean should lose to Brett to sort of repay him the, that lot, that, so that that victory to sort of keep the character going. But Brett was leaving and he had the title and Vince wanted Brett to just lose to Sean and the card was in Montreal. And Brett was coming up with excuses like, it's in Canada, I don't want to lose in Canada. I don't trust Sean, I shouldn't lose to Sean. Sean's bad for the business, all these different things. So that's what it comes to a head. And what ends up happening in, in, in Montreal is Vince orchestrates a double cross where the referee, will, the referee Earl Hebner, just rang the bell saying that Brett submitted the bell rings. The announcer announces that Brett lost the match to Sean. That was that was a deviation from the planned ending that they told Brett. That was a double cross. So, just thought I'd set the table. Um, did you watch that match live? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. My um, had a family member who was ordering pay per view, and it's funny because um, it was getting a little ridiculous. My parents didn't like me going out on Saturday nights to family members house and coming back so I would affect my school. Yeah. Little do they know I was going to be a failure no matter what. Um, <laughs> and I, so I saw SummerSlam and I really want to see SummerSlam. And I think, I think bad blood was the pay-per-view before survivor series. And okay. I had watched that and my parents were like, well, you can't watch survivor series, but I had forgotten that it was in Montreal. Okay. And I'm I I just I begged with my parents. I said, please, 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 like, um, like me telling my dad that this might be Bret Hart's last match in the WWE. Like he could give a shit. Um, but <laughs> what whatever I did to 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 swindle me watching it live, I did. So I did watch it live. It's funny you mentioned like about that. 
it's it's a bit of a blur the actual survivor series what's not a blur is like the monday night after and then the next basically weeks leading up to wcw starcade what what brett would make his wcw screen it was just it was all it might have it might as well have all taken place in uh in one week so that's kind of my memory of of all that um, I do want to circle back to what you said. You're absolutely right in, in setting the table that, you know, Brett did have, he had a bunch of grievances about, you know, going to Montreal that evening. He was the current WWF champion. He had, um, he was going to join um, Eric Bischoff in the rival promotion. Um, but he also did have reasonable creative control in his oh, yeah. contract, which basically that. says that, look, Vince can't just, you know, Vince can't just have Brett like lose to Doink the Clown or whomever, you know, the fact is, is that Brett had it in his contract that he was going to have that provision so that he could protect his character because it would affect his earning potential going elsewhere. And you know, for people who are kind of new wrestling fans, that might not apply today because, first of all, everyone loses on television today. So it's it's not a big deal if you lose on TV today. Your character losing is, is not a big deal, but it still was a bit of a big deal in you know, certainly, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even in the 90s. It, it became less of a thing when when WWF, WWE monopolized the, the, the entire industry. And people would just, you know, trade wins and losses on TV, and it wasn't so much of a big deal. But, but for well, Brett, who, that a little bit, but why? Yeah, sure, I was just going to say for Brett, for for I just want to finish with this. With yeah. for Brett, and people are wondering, well, why did Brett? You know, well, why was this so? Especially you have to you have to understand. Rest, Brett came from a wrestling family. He was brought up in the wrestling business, so for him, what wins and losses <laughs> might mean to a, a current superstar, it 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 did not jive with this man because having been brought up with nothing but siblings and your daddy running a promotion and just being literally born into the business. Um, these are things that were, um, you know, incepted into him. So that's why he, 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 he took this night in Montreal in 1997. It was life or death for him. And that's why um, he, he took it as seriously as he did. And that's why he had a, particular gripe about who he lost to how he lost to and how he was going to exit the company so a couple points here is is okay the reason why losing mattered is you touched on it it was very deeply real to him even though it's it's scripted and staged that's also a bit why sean in one of his interviews he went off script and just called bret hart mark man mark being the term for someone who just buys who believes the business a little too seriously who's Mm -hmm. one of the who's someone that doesn't know that it's not real um Part of why it matters then back to then versus now is the proliferation of, of wrestling on TV as regular as it was and, and star matches. Like that was just taking off then in the mid 90s, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of paper, pay-per-view quality matches happening on cable TV on Monday night once a week, even if it's just once an hour, that was a huge deal. And so seeing guys actually lose some to someone, it didn't happen that often. And then what happened over the years after after what we're talking about 97 was that cable TV hour that turned into two hours, which turned into a second TV show of two hours, which turned into a third TV show on a Sunday night pay-per-views. That was just around that time when pay-per-views were turning into once a month, like just right around that time we're talking about, whereas it used to be four times a year 
And now it's just, you've got wrestling on 24 seven on various platforms, multiple promotions. So, so, so wrestlers like winning, losing, it doesn't even matter. Even the high spots don't matter. Quick little tangent, we'll get back on track, but question for you, Shane McMahon, do you remember the spot when he jumped off the uh, cage onto Undertaker? Which one? Yeah. Okay. The Undertaker one. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. That you're touching on what I was going to ask you. So tell me, did he did the exact same spot again against Kevin Owens? Oh yeah, he's done it like um, in this current incarnation of Shane yeah, McMahon. I was going to ask um, how many times has he done this? Uh, more than twice. Hell in the cell. He maybe not more than twice, but but twice. And what's what the what the internet fans actually got right on this is that okay, so. WWE is like put like an end to all these crazy stunts for the most part, but Shane McMahon's allowed to do them. So then he gets to be the most over when the night is done. Right. It's like, Oh, must be nice to be the boss's son. And it's ridiculous. Right. Because like, he's literally risking life and limb. I think he, he like, he broke his ribs both times doing it and he got a concussion. I mean, Shane McMahon has gotten, he's, he, he definitely has CTE. I mean, this guy has had, but it's, it's crazy. But you're right. Shane McMahon has just become a meme and a parody of himself because all you ever associate with this guy is these death-defying spots, and you one bleeds into the other. You can't make heads or tails <laughs> of which one happened. Yeah, that's all I wanted to bring up. I thought it was the most yeah. ridiculous thing. I because I somehow because I was watching Kevin Nash shoot interviews, I ended up in a wormhole with. Uh, seeing him jump off a cage and I'm like, I don't remember mm-hmm. looking like this. And then when I realized yeah. afterward, I'm like, Oh, that wasn't the undertaker. That was Kevin Owens. I'm like, wait, yeah. twice. It, yeah. It's just so over the, it's a bit um, comical at that point. Like mm-hmm. that is just wrestling gone wrong. Anyway, I just, yep. that this goes into winning and losing. Yeah. Oh, they just weaken the product anyway. So going back to Brett, um, that time period for me. So you know what? I don't know if you ever knew this. I've never seen a pay per view live. The only one I ever saw live was when we went to the sports bar and we saw Brock Lesnar beat uh, The Rock. That's it. Oh, cool. Everything else was always delayed. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My parents never let me order a pay per view. Like, oh, same here. Same here. They didn't want to spend it. Uh, didn't have anywhere to watch it, so I'd always have to wait till I got the blockbuster video, and there mm-hmm. would be one tape. And I'd call in and reserve it because it was always tough to get. We just had the one tape. And then, you know, it was a godsend when the, the network came around. I could just subscribe online. It was it's funny that I could go around the world in Singapore and be easier to watch uh, yeah. WrestleMania whenever I wanted. But that time period in the business, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, it's so interesting in, in um, how that episode, what it meant for wrestling. And not just those careers, not just the double cross, but... The blending of, it was the junction where the internet became a thing in wrestling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It was the junction of when wrestling went to the blurred lines of reality. It was, the, it, was the, it, was the, it was a junction where Bret Hart really did this, where he straight up, I know Vince had done that interview before where he says it's scripted or whatever. It's just different when you actually hear a wrestler talking about the match in a different way than it was meant to be. A guy who, you said, grew up in the business and he's just straight up exposing the business. And then, um, and just heading into like the corporatization of wrestling, we had these two giant, you know, the Pepsi and the Coca-Cola of wrestling going at it week after week mm-hmm. at this point. And um, it was really interesting. So for me, I'm, I was on the WCW.com website. At this point, WCW had overtaken WWF in the ratings, which was not something I wouldn't expect it could happen. 
and the NWO was going strong. Eric Bischoff, the head of ND, head of NWO, and then at one point there was a um, an interview. Do you remember OneWrestling.com, run by yep. Bob Ryder? So mm-hmm. there was a link to that from the WCW webpage where oh, Eric Bischoff did this interview. So I, I'm whatever. I'm I'm a kid. I'm I all the time in the world. I'm clicking it. And I read this interview. It was I don't know. I should be embarrassed to explain it, but whenever I would watch wrestling. Even though you, you're told and you know it's not real, for whatever reason, once I turn it on, I'm just lost into it. That's how it was when I was a kid. And when I say kid, I mean, I was, I was a teenager at this point. And I could just lose myself into it, not, not think twice. I don't care. Like, I'm just totally into the story. Do you know what I'm saying? And to hear Eric Bischoff do an interview with these writers, like Bob Ryder, and talk about wrestling now, not as, w, as the NWO leader, but as the executive vice president, whatever his title was at WCW, that was eye-opening. I was like, whoa, I'm not, he's, he's straight up revealing the business. And I'm just like reading into this. And then I got further into these sheets. And then I forget which one of these sheets had talked about Bret Hart is on his way to WCW. And I was like, whoa. And, um, and all of a sudden it's like, at that point, you're not really talking to people. The internet is not like now. Um, so I'm, I think I have the smart, inf- I have, think I'm on the inside. I have all this information. I'm watching wrestling. And then um, to see that play out where you're seeing that on TV, you're going back on the internet and seeing what people are saying about what's going on to have those rumors. Like that was the first big story. I think that really came out of the internet era for wrestling that I can think of. Um, yeah. So that's what really stood out for me. Cause in the subsequent weeks that happened, you're talking about where you, you get to hear about, Oh, all the wrestlers in the raw, at Raw, we're having a, almost a mutiny, like a bunch of them, like mankind, didn't want to show up. I forget who else didn't want to show up. And it was just him. Was, it was just him. Oh, it was just only, okay, okay, come on. Um, never mind. I, I thought there was more than one. I mean, just well, David no, no, Ryan no. What, what happened, what happened was, um, what happened was um, um, the tag team eludes me right now. Legion of uh, Doom. No, 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 no. These were um, two Canadian guys. Uh, one of them oh. was a famous power lifter um doug furnace furnace oh, and lafon yeah 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 furnace and lafon did not want to show up obviously owen bulldog and um and James. so brett Neither. brett talked brett apparently and even undertaker apparently was like hmm. gonna do something brett said guys don't be stupid like this is this is a me thing and he apparently not did a raw raw speech, but was was talking to people throughout the night, and his whole thing was like, "Listen, this is with me in management," and um, you know he he was obviously hot at um, his, his 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 big gripe at the end of the night was obviously Vince, Hunter, um, Pat Patterson, Slaughter, and um, Earl Hebner. Well, Earl Hebner, yeah, but I think more of. Um, of uh, Briscoe as well, Gerald Briscoe. Um, so he was just trying to figure things out and his whole, his talk to the boys was like, no, this is not going to happen. But, but Mick Foley mankind took it personally that, well, if they could do this to Bret Hart, they could do it to all of us. So what the heck am I doing here? Right. He, you know, Mick Foley, I mean, that's, that's kind of who you associate with Mick Foley, right? He's, you know, he's, he's not, he, he did what he did, not looking for the attention. He did it just as in terms of you know, integrity and, and, and what business should be about type of thing. Right. So, um, 
But um, yeah, if I could just, for me, you know, you're right about the internet era and it was also the 900 number era as well, where <laughs> I think me and Gene Oakland would go yeah, on the WCW true. side and uh, Jim Cornette and Jim Ross would take turns on the WWF end and just kind of do this blurred lines between shoot and work because I mean, it was all getting exposed. I mean, once, once people realized that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash weren't really sent by WWF to sabotage WCW and that they were completely under contract and it was completely uh, a storyline and a gimmick that, you know, the Vince Russo's of the world and, and those who were in charge of writing storylines were, I guess, in a way, not trying to insult people's intelligence and just kind of let them know that, look, guys are putting on pretend fights at the end of the day, but you know, if there's something that's legitimate out there, we're also, they didn't ignore certain elephants in the room. Just put it that way. Um, With Bret Hart, you know, you asked me about, you know, watching it live and and you know um basically i only have one athlete that i truly ever ever cared about that it was ride or die that actually um you know i watch athletes but i followed and actually cared for bret hart and what happened that night in 1997 and then subsequently you know, with his brother passing and his concussion and the stroke and all the other tragedy that he had after that, it was really like, this is going to sound super corny, but it, it, it actually was, it was, it was the end of my childhood. I was 15 at the time when the Montreal screw job happened and yeah, it was a wrestling storyline, but it was real, not just like, Hey, wrestling's real to me. No, it was, it was real. Like someone really got hosed that night. Um, this was something that happens in the corporate world that, you know, this is shit that can happen to, you know, John Buckley at Home Depot, like, like, like Brett got done dirty, whether it was self-inflicted or not, but it was something that was really real. It manifested in, it manifested its way that everyone would, uh, knew about it. And once I kind of knew what had happened, it was like, it was pretty much the real world telling me it's like oh you want you want a hero that you can follow you want a canadian icon that you can lionize well fuck you ryan va is 15 (laughs) years old like you can't have heroes anymore it was the end of my innocence you know because i was a jovial happy wrestling fan and when that happened like i'd been crushed before like you know warrior being hogan at wrestlemania 6 Brett losing to Yoko. I mean, um, you know, uh, certain moments in WCW, like the flair under undermined sting on on a clash of champions or something like that. Like, yeah, like I'd had my heart broken, I suppose you could say, but, but this really crushed me because once you found out the real story to this and it was like, wow, this was a real livelihood affected. And then that livelihood would affect, you know, storylines and other livelihoods for a year to come. Yeah, I mean, it actually shook me up a little bit. It's actually, you know, and and till this day, if you do watch the Vice documentary on the Montreal Screwjob, or you do watch Wrestling with Shadows, or you watch any number of shoot interviews, this has still got to be wrestling's biggest story in so many ways, because where it veers off to and where it where it um the other storylines that come of this 
it's got to be wrestling's biggest story, despite all the real tragedies that have also happened in pro wrestling, and in my opinion. Be, almost because of it, too. I mean, well, not because, yeah. but they are contributing to why it's so big. You're right. Like, how many, yeah. how it splinters off. We'll get that in a second, because I, I think it's yeah. describing that. But, people, but, but just, I just want, yeah. I was just going to say, just to cap it off, I mean, personally, it, it, it actually affected me. I mean, I was a young, impressionable, innocent, um, 15 year old. I, I, you know, I had, a, I, I had, um, basic life, I guess you could say there was nothing much going on. I just, it was just me and my pro wrestling and my other sports, but, but just Bret Hart and WWF and WCW. I mean, that was my life. That was the one beacon of my week and the month. And for that to happen to like my my, my hero in a lot of ways, like it, it, it just, it, it crushed me in a lot of ways. So I felt kind of similar to what you described. I think so. I, as you were talking, I was thinking, I think it did impact me that same way. It was just, it changed how I could look at wrestling, how I could watch it, but it also changed a bit of how I understood the world, how the world works. I think um, it was a bit of a precursor because I think my actual moment where that happened was actually Bush versus Gore in the Supreme Court decision. And, uh, mm. When I was like, oh, that's actually, wait, that's not really how it's going to end, right? They're not just going to just decide and they're not going to not count the votes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think when they counted the votes, I think Bush actually won. But I was like, yeah, that's actually did, it? But... It's done? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how the world works. And then and then the rest happened with <clears throat> tragedy 9-11 and all that. But with, yeah. with, with Brett, I think from a, on a micro level, given what age I was at that time, just a year younger than you, definitely had that impact. Um, um, I, so I, yeah, okay, just, just to, to elaborate a bit on where that's, what, what that incident meant and the stories that kind of came out of it. Like you talked about his own personal like things where he had just like, um, okay, well, a lot of those tragedies kind of came about, um, in tangential ways. He was in WCW. As he was in WCW, years later, he was wrestling Gilbert Goldberg. Goldberg, you know, kicks him in the head. I don't know. This is a reckless kick. Brett contends that Goldberg wasn't just, it's not working safely enough, like didn't see where he's kicking. This with concussion and strokes. And, I mean, um, concussions that forced Brett to have to quit wrestling. And later he's riding his bike. He ends up having a stroke. Um, and then Personally, he thinks, I think he also feels, it's said that he's felt almost like, not responsible, but like partly, um, I guess, implicated or whatever, when when his brother Owen Hart had just on a stunt to, to drop from the ceiling on a cable where the cable wasn't connected properly and Owen ended up falling and dying, then Brett had thought that if he were there, still with WWF, that he could have talked to Owen to just be like, why are you doing something like this? It's kind of reckless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that's actually the case, right? I mean, wrestlers have done those kinds of stunts um, before. Even, I think, even Owen himself has done that stunt before. Um, so, I, I, I mean, but I think that it's hard when you're, well, that's your brother, you're probably thinking, like, there are things that, who knows, like, you probably play those scenarios in your head, right? And so for him mm-hmm. to have to deal with that, plus the British Bulldog, I think he had, like, a heart attack of some sort, or he he died, he died somehow. Um, so... There's all sorts of tragedy that, that that Brett had faced. Then on the wrestling front, what came of this too is Vince McMahon launches his Mr. McMahon character out of this. As all the fans generally across the WWF 
had had an affinity for Brett, hated Vince because of what happened. And then he turned into the heel. Steve Austin rose up, The Rock rose up, and then it kicks off this new golden era of the WWF. For years, different people are attributing the, the screw job as a success that led mm-hmm. into this. So if you're Bret Hart, that, that cuts also deeply in a different way. Um, yep. The fans splitting off like that is kind of interesting because the way you pointed out, there's a different Canadian affinity for Bret. His father got the, the uh, Order of Canada. His family home is uh, a Canadian heritage site. Um, so Canadian fans never forgot that. They, they, they always held the heels of the moment responsible every time they came back to Canada. The American fans, the general fans, just sort of moved on just because it was there was no national affinity involved. It was just, this is the product. And just like everything else in wrestling, fans forget and they move on. That was a bit of a, a lesson as well that, that I took. Like, you're in the show. Once you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, always, I, always found it, I always found it hilarious because, you know, Eric Bischoff, um, he's, he's quite the character. He, um, I mean, he completely botched the number one baby face going to his company. Now I know he had plans. Eric Bischoff will contend that, well, we had plans. Well, can you imagine like Apple one day absorbs like Android fortuitously? Are they going to like, you know, Oh, well, you know, we had all these plans. So no, we're going to, we're going to hold the Android project for like five years from No, you, you, you scrap what you had. You, you, um, you deal with the, with the, you deal with the score of the century when you have it. Um, part of the reason why Eric thought that his plans were his plans for Brett were justified was because he didn't believe in Brett being like this Canadian icon because, and a lot of, you know, we talk about shooting reviews and everyone laughed at Brett. Oh, why can't you lose in Canada? Because I'm an American uh, does that mean if I go to Fort Lauderdale that I can't yeah. lose there? It's like, no, idiot, because someone from Toledo, Ohio is not going to have cachet in Orange County, California. Brett, because Canada is a big little country. It is one big city. So the fact that he was a champion in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, meant that he actually was a champion in Montreal, Quebec, in Toronto, and all these, you know, Canada doesn't have that many major cities. And so- WWE... And then, the point is that, you know, he was being laughed at for for um, protecting his status in Canada. But I mean, they had you, you guys have to do a better job. I'm saying you guys, the, um, you know, Brett's um, um, Brent's Brett's critics have to do a better job that like, I'm sorry, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, um, with its rich wrestling history, um, they were completely that 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 might as well have been breath brett's birthplace um so he had every right in my opinion to say look this is the wrong city for me to lose in we can do business elsewhere and another misconception about the the montreal screw job was that was not brett hart's last night in the company contractually anyways he had i believe seven more dates he had a buffalo appearance he had a detroit appearance i believe a chicago one as well um, Ottawa the next day was uh, Monday Night Raw, of course, the one that Mick Foley didn't go to. There was other dates to work with. So, in so, terms okay. of, in, yeah, go ahead. Let me jump in here. Like the, you know, remember that meme you talked about? The girl who talked about going to downtown Canada. So, I guess maybe she's not that far off then. 
She's not. Not when it comes to wrestling. No. And and and, and Brett so, and Brett's, no, I, Brett's Brett's right. Yeah. No. So so I just think that Canadians want it both ways. They want to take offense when Americans sort of turn their nose up and say, "Well, like what's really up there?" And it's just a small place. But then the fact is, they act like it is, and they don't want to treat it like it is too. So I mean, whatever. They just using whatever excuse they can to get offended by America. But the, the I didn't really ever buy into that excuse by Brett. Like he's from Calgary and he's saying, I don't want to lose in Montreal. So you don't want to lose in this huge country. That's the second largest landmass in the world. Um, but that's, but that's, so, that's landmass. There's really only four cities we're talking yeah, about when he says, I'm making is, Canada. Yeah. is that it, it was a bit of a ludicrous position to take. Um, and yeah. And he, he had come up with other ideas like, yeah, how about I lose in Detroit? I think the Detroit show was actually before survivor series or, how about that? I'll win and I'll, I'll relinquish the title on Monday Night Raw and I'll say goodbye or something like that. Like, and to me, that's almost just disgenuine. A guy who's been in the business that long. Okay, Agreed. so this actually ties into a question I was going to ask you about is well, what's age well? Like, what is our opinion? Because my opinion of the whole situation yeah. has evolved over the years. Definitely still always have empathy for him. But the, the notion that he's coming, his ideas, like the one that I thought was most ludicrous was I'll just win in Montreal and the next night I'll show up on Raw and hand it over. Because here the concern was this, was you're right. There were a few other possibilities after Survivor Series. The the worry was that Bischoff after Survivor Series on the next night on Monday Nitro was going to announce, because they were contractually Mm -hmm. allowed to, that they had signed Mm -hmm. Bret Hart. And Vince could not allow Mm -hmm. them to say that they took the champion. Mm -hmm. Bret, who's been in the business forever, knows how this works. When you are going to lose, you lose on the way out. And Bret's contention was... I can lose to other people or I can lose in Detroit. Okay, fair enough. And you know what? There are plenty of different ways. Like perhaps he could have lost on the Raw before. Then it could have been this situation where Brett's trying to win the title back. He has a gallant gallant struggle against Sean in Montreal, but then um, falls short when Sean wins. But Brett still comes out looking strong, but he didn't win. And so so there's different ways that could have played out. But the idea that he was going to hand over a title, that that made no sense to me. um, Agreed. Hearing it. Um. Uh, did your view of it change over the years of how it all went down? Of the characters, the incidents, the, the, the yeah, you know? yeah, a little bit. So I agree with you. Um, Brett's scenario of him coming out and cutting a twenty-minute Bret Hart promo, <laughs> which was, you know. If, if, if people think I struggle with the English, English language sometimes, I mean, Brett's promos were hit and miss. I, I, <laughs> I love, I loved his promos when they were to the point, one hitter quitters. He had that bass in his voice, but Brett Hart out there for a 15 minute segment, my God, um, that would have been a disaster. And absolutely. That was a terrible decision. And, and, you know, Brett famously wired himself into that meeting and talk to Vince about doing that the next day on Raw. I mean, Vince clearly was just trying to get Brett's guard down. That's that's how what? the double cross happened. I think that would have been a terrible idea. I do think he should have done a job. If he didn't want to do it with Sean, I'm completely empathetic to that because of this. It has been said that Brett went to Sean. They had two to three conversations about this very subject where Brett was like, listen, I did the job for you at WrestleMania 12 and I would have no problem doing a job to you as well. And Sean's response um, invariably each time was, wow, Brett, you're a hell of a lot bigger man than I am because I don't think I could ever drop the belt to you because 
Sean's whole thing was that, you know, he had worked so hard to get to that main event status to surpass Brett that basically him and Hunter had decided that what's best for Shawn Michaels is that he never loses to Brett again. Right. And then, and then he beats him once. He just, he just never loses because he's, he's younger. I think he's seven years younger than, than Brett. And that was the best thing for him. So you had all these guys when that story came out, like Bruno San Martino and I don't know who else, um, you know, freaking uh, Larry Zabisco and just be like, Oh, shame on Brett, you know? And, and meanwhile, people would turn around and be like, well, you know what, Bruno, I, I don't think if freaking so-and-so from the sixties said they wouldn't return a job. I mean, can you imagine if like, if, if, if stone cold ever told the rock that, Hey, I'm going to take the belt off you at like WrestleMania 17. I'll never do the job for you again. Can you imagine if, if, um, well, hold on. If if, if 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 Rick Flair, if Rick Flair oh. ever told Sting but, that I'm never going to return yeah, the favor for you, so the reason I cut you off is because I don't really buy the story, and I don't buy it even if oh, it happened. It's been, even it's if it been, was said, even if it was said, I don't really buy it all playing out the way it's being described. Here's how I envision it happening: I envision Brett trying to because Brett does not really have a sense of humor, and Sean's kind of sarcastic and just a little too loose, like with his attitude. Brett trying to talk seriously to Sean. Sean just being a dick because that's how he was in the '90s. Brett says something like that. Sean's just like, okay, Brett takes this business so seriously. I'm just going to say whatever and piss him off just because it's funny to piss him off. And because Sean did lose matches, to be clear. Sean lost matches in the 90s. He did. And whether uh, it was when, like, when, how many, how many jobs did he do in the 90s for, for IC titles and, 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 and heavyweight championships, except the, the Austin job, which apparently Undertaker had to wrap his fingers backstage to make sure that the guy did the job yeah no and Wait, hold on he lost to diesel at wrestlemania um wrestlemania 11 he mm, he wasn't champion though but go on um let me think here uh he was just Shawn michaels was the challenger he lost to sid, survivor Series 95 he lost to sid because he didn't want to lose to vader he said i'm gonna lose to sid because Sid is a lame duck champion, he's not going to get over as champion, and I'm going to win it back to, back from him at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio in front of a papered fifty five thousand fans. That was Sean. That was prime Sean Michaels. That was prime Sean Michaels. Yeah. This is where I'll. This is okay. Let, let's 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 meet in the middle. All right. Brett maybe took a joke too seriously. The fact is that Sean Michaels had not done enough jobs, Fair enough. In, including not returning the job. WrestleMania 13, I mean, the, the, the day that WrestleMania 12 was signed between those two, it was, it was, it was assumed that the rematch would be the next year. I mean, that, 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 was, the, that, was, that was Pat Patterson's vision. That was uh, Jim Cornette's vision. That was uh, Bruce Pritchard. I mean, the, the writing team had that. That, that was going to be the, the two-year plan was Brett and Sean, WrestleMania 12, and then next year, Chicago, they're going to tear the house down. And then Sean loses his goddamn smile. And then they have to, they have to, oh, yeah. they have to go to plan B. So, um, you know, Sean saying a joke, Sean not saying a joke. The fact is, is that there had been enough body of work to suggest that, you know, Sean joking, you know, he could actually kind of take him at, at, at face value. Apparently their relationship was such that they would have in between uh, – they have i'll admit they have a very bizarre relationship where they can have a fight in connecticut where brett allegedly pulls his hair they can then have these shoot interviews on raw but then apparently they'd be at the same like hotel lobby one days and get and get 
just have a solid conversation. So I have no doubt that they have ebbs and flows. Um, but I actually take, I'm not also, when I say that the story, I'm not taking, I'm not taking Brett at his word. I'm taking about all the other people that have verified this conversation took place and that Sean would yeah. openly brag about, I'm not doing a job to Brett. Like, like apparently so, he made it well known. Here's the thing though, is, is that, is I'm not saying he would say it as a joke. I'm just saying that Sean, he was on painkillers. He had all these mm-hmm. other issues going on. I'm not mm-hmm. defending that. I'm just saying that when you have somebody who does not, who's a bit of a narcissist, like you're, there's no point in trying to reason and fact check a narcissist as we kind of see like in the modern day right now. Like it just, it, that's just a pointless conversation. No doubt. So the idea of, of, of Brett taking the stance, I mean, what I'm really getting down to is um, that what Brett was asking for didn't make any sense. Now, I do think that Vince was trying to steer it in a certain direction because there's plenty of other things that Vince could have done. They've come, they've come up with all sorts of things over the years. That's just part of booking, right? There's just, some guys get injured, some guys disappear. Sometimes they decide to just change plans. They, they massage different egos. It happens all the time, right? Like Yokozuna, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart. I forget how that sequence of events happened where Brett loses to Yoko, Brett Hulk beats Yoko, Brett Hulk doesn't want to lose to Brett, like mm-hmm. whatever it was, right? All that kind of stuff happens all the time. Um, I think that with, um, uh, no, I'm just trying to think of what I was going to say about Brett and, uh, um, and, and doing the job. Like, oh yeah, creative control. Just, just to, mm-hmm. just, okay. Just to go back to, one point you mentioned earlier about creative control, because I think it's related to how we're saying this. I wanted to say this earlier is, is I don't know what the wording of that contract says. And that's why it's really important. Uh, reasonable, reasonable creative control. But exactly what I'm saying is, is, how do you measure that? How is that? Exactly. How is that? Absolutely. Right? It's so impossible. You can't, that's not how, how do you enforce something? Right. So that's mm-hmm. the point. Contracts are only as good as they're, as they're enforced. So I don't really care if Brett keeps saying, well, my contract says, Reasonable creative control. If reasonable creative control meant you get to voice your opinion and not get fired, well, then you got to voice your opinion. If reasonable creative control meant you get a veto, you actually get to mix a plan, as we I think was the case with Hulk Hogan and WCW, then 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 you can take an action, which you probably could. Um, but if you would, I, I, that's why I don't really care that that's what the contract said. If it, but that's the point. Contracts have to really specify what all this verbiage verbiage means. Um, well, he so, certainly didn't. He certainly didn't agree to to that finish. <laughs> I will. Say, I will. Say, I will say this: the 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 where they almost made headway, if we believe the stories, is that Brett was going to win somehow that night in Montreal, and then two nights from that, whether it was a TV taping or whatever, Brett was going to um, lose to Austin. And that would be the bridge. And then, but that would have, yeah. but, 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 but that would have killed the rise of Austin 316 and him having his WrestleMania moment. I really wish that there was a Paul Heyman around because this would have been so easy for Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman would have like made Brett lose the belt to Owen Hart that night. And then, but why Shawn Owen Michaels, Hart? 
because just just because Brett would have no problem losing to his own brother. That's what I'm yeah, trying to they say. They were on the same team. They were in the Hart Foundation. Doesn't matter. Probably. Paul Heyman would have made it work, and and Paul okay. Heyman to satisfy Sean's ego would have then said, "Owen, you're going to be WWF champion, something you never thought that you would be, and you're going to go down the history books, and you know you're gonna you're you're gonna get the wing the the, the winged eagle." belt and you're getting good photos and you're forever etched in history and sean's going to beat you in two minutes on monday night raw because we need to get the belt off sean for austin at wrestlemania and owen would have been fine with it and brett who cares what brett thinks because he's in wcw at this point and paul Heyman would have done it because he did it in ecw he let tommy dreamer hold the belt for nostalgia purposes for like two minutes before just incredible took it off him so to say you're right to say that there was no other because that's what i hate about the documentaries like oh they tried everything jim corner tried and said like, no you guys didn't try hard enough sorry <laughs> um you had all these weeks you guys had all these weeks and months to to come up with something and you left it till the wednesday of and the wednesday of you're like fuck we gotta screw this guy we gotta get Gerald. We we gotta get Gerald Briscoe out up up in uh, Sean's hotel room to uh, teach him some some moves to get out of a legit hold. Um, yeah, funny. And, and 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 Triple H actually is the one that allegedly told Sean's like you are not agreeing to any circumstance of you like Sean. You have to walk out of of Survivor Series with the belt, and because Sean apparently. Um, was malleable but you know as we see now triple h is what number two three in the company i mean That's talk so about a talk about a guy shooting a shot way back in 1997 right i mean um he knew who to hitch his wagon with um yeah it's i think that's what strikes me as the most unnerving thing about 1997 it's like my god like <laughs> how stupid was this this was so avoidable right i mean it would just take in like it Vince McMahon needed to grow up. Well, Vince McMahon did grow a huge pair that night because, you know, he did what he had to do and he, he took a, he took a punch to the eye as a result. But I mean, it was totally avoidable. I mean, but, like there was just, I, I you and I could did, come up with six scenarios that yeah. would have been better. Cause here's the thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll lay one piece of context and then ask you the question I'm going to ask. The context is that Brett only got that title at SummerSlam, the, the one major pay-per-view prior, which was because Undertake, he pinned Undertaker right after Sean hit Undertaker in the head with a chair. Correct. Um, why did Undertaker have to lose to Brett? Why did he have to give up the title? Why couldn't he just keep holding the title for another few months? Uh, one because the... Another question after that. You're right. Because the Undertaker at that time was a yes man and he took pride in being a yes man and he was you know he no, I mean, would the booking why did it have to be booked that way why oh did why did you book that way you're not talking why about did brett have to be a champion he already had so much heat as the heel leader of this anti-american heart foundation which by the way super underrated is one of the hottest uh super angles. underrated super underrated but uh gone. well i think i think they wanted look i I would I want to say by by SummerSlam 97 that you know that's when that's when Steve got dropped on his on his neck by Owen. Was, he was yeah. going to he was going to win anyways. I think they knew that the money was going to be the money was Steve Austin somewhere down the line whether it's Brett passing on the mantle or Sean 
but we have to give Steve the chase. Okay. So it might've just been a coin flip between those two. It's like, Hey, Sean and Brett, you have this like mini thing. And um, I'm not too sure why they put the, uh, the belt on him, but I, I still think that was the right move to do. I, I think, listen, I think all the right moves were made up until that night at, at, okay. at, at Montreal. Cause here's a sequence of events. SummerSlam is August. Taker loses to Brett. Vince has the conversation with Brett. Hey, I don't know if I can pay you the 20 year yep. contract plus lifetime I signed a year ago. Um, maybe you should go get another contract. That's about September. Survivor Series is, it's November, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. These guys plan out WrestleMania 12 months in advance. You don't think that the, Vince is already thinking maybe he can't pay Brett or maybe he doesn't want to pay Brett leading into SummerSlam by that point? Um, maybe that's not the case, but. It's just a bit strange to me that Brett even had the title. And then a month or two after he gets the title, Vince says, I can't pay you. Can you go get another uh, contract? And then they lead all the way to the, to the screw job. Now, my question to you is, is, what is the plausibility that Vince actually just designed everything that way he wanted this to happen? Oh, uh, com- no. Zero percent of that. Oh, okay. okay. Super unlikely. There's, there is, if, if Vince had that kind of vision... I mean, he would have been batting a thousand. I mean, where was that vision during the invasion angle? So that's 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 my whole thing, um, which was just what four years later. Um, Vince, I think that's the fallacy with Vince McMahon is that um, you know his most profitable year to date is 2020. It's crazy, right? Because we have companies filing for bankruptcy and airlines going out of business and WWE. Um, has had record business this year. And part of the reason why he's been able to do that is the illusion that he's done all this great because what Vince has been able to do is he's always rewriting history. He's always rewriting his own history. Um, and like this was this was a perfect example of like Mr. McMahon was completely accidental because the story that I'm hearing is that after the Montreal screw job, was that he thought he would be the baby face coming out of this. That's the whole reason for him and JR having that interview. That's the whole reason for Brett <laughs> screwed Brett. And, okay. and he actually thought he actually thought it was a good idea to say that something to the effect, I forget what Vince McMahon said, but look, um, had I been a few years younger and 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 more in wrestling shape, I think that the events that played the, that um, the events that happened in the locker room after um, the Survivor Series paper went off the air would have ended would have would have ended differently. In other words, he's saying he could have taken Bret Hart <laughs> in, in a real fight. Had you know, I don't know, the age has been comparable, and maybe if he was training the same regiment that he was. I mean, he said a lot of batshit stuff. No, zero chance of that happening. This was a clusterfuck. I think Vince lives for clusterfucks. That's maybe why he comes out on so many he comes out smiling like a rose so many times okay. that he does um he he, okay. he he i'll give him credit he knew he was gonna have to take a punch that night i'll give him that um force um uh, i'll give him that kind of vision um okay. he didn't but no him. there's no way i zero percent chance that he knew that okay. SummerSlam that that this was going to be the situation Fair enough. I thought I'd just throw that out there. You know, one thought, I forget who was the person who posited this theory was 
the reason why for Vince Brett, that whole thing was, was emotionally difficult for him was because Vince has abandonment issues since he was a kid for people who don't know, like he's, he was growing up with his mom and stepdad. His stepdad was a violent guy, whatever, mm-hmm. abusive and all that. Grew up in the trailer. And then he went off to New York, whatever, to go work with his father, who was the running wrestling. Um, and then all the different wrestlers. So, so he's dealt with abandonment as a kid. And then as a promoter, one by one, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, they all just leave and abandon WWF. Brett was the guy who didn't want to leave, but Vince was the one who made it happen. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, it's weird. So, Super weird. Anyway, um, oh, one little uh, anecdote, and then I'll just close it off. But uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but one of my good friends in Toronto spent a whole weekend just hanging out with Bret Hart. Um, oh, cool. Because her, her other friend was dating this other guy who, he had some job, but he was also just a guy who was a, who was like a professional wrestler in his time, in his spare time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in, you know, Mickey, Mickey Rourke and the wrestler, like her her friend's boyfriend who was wrestling he's involved in some promotion up north they had bret hart who's going to come show up and do some kind of just show up and talk you know like just do an appearance Mm -hmm. so he had to be entertained for the weekend so my friends my friend's friend's boyfriend his job was to just entertain brett in toronto just go out have drinks take him to restaurants all that stuff so my friend was tagging along. So she's hanging out with Brett the weekend. And so she's posted, she had posted a photo with him. I was in Asia. And obviously like I'm in Asia with all these other guys who are from around the world. Everybody knows Brett Hart. Everybody loves Brett Hart. So like my one friend who's from New York, he's like, whoa, Brett Hart looks so old here. Right? Cause I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. been several years since he saw him. Um, I asked, like, she posted on Facebook, and, and it's just incredible the amount of admiration that he has from everywhere. Because it was just bang, 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 bang. Like, all these people commenting. I don't know everybody. It's all her different friends from wherever she's been. And they were just posting about Bret Hart and their favorite Bret Hart matches, their favorite Bret Hart moments, interviews, everything. And people are pulling out clips from YouTube and pulling stuff out. I'm pulling out the Bret Hart Mr. Perfect match. And um, mm-hmm. she I asked him like so how is he and she's like what's he like as a person she's like he's actually pretty soft spoken really like mm-hmm. he's a nice guy but just pretty soft spoken um, so that was kind of surprising for her just what you think of wrestling but um, I thought that was funny I thought that was kind of funny that uh, <laughs> she's spending a whole uh, weekend just hanging out with Bret Hart yeah that's super cool I for me it's like it's like this man I, I still watch wrestling till this day um I have, I've been waiting and I'll probably wait the rest of my life um, to just wait for another wrestler that reminds me of Bret Hart. Um, I've been not disappointed because I don't, what I would, what I would not want is a bunch of copycats and just to dilute him. But like Tanahashi's the closest in Japan. He's freaking awesome, man. He just, he sells like him. He he's, he's believable. I think you and I opine that like what we hate is like, you know, what, Brett would never do anything that he didn't perceive that it would look real. Like if he's, if he's trying to do a bot, if he's trying to do the sharpshooter on Yokozuna, I mean, I can only imagine trying to wrap that guy's behemoth legs around his and trying to execute. So I'm, I'm sure the execution of it was painful, but when he did it to Yoko, when he would superplex Bam Bam Bigelow off the top rope, oh, yeah. when he would do all the, when he would, um, when he would, you know, lift Kevin Nash even just off a foot just to get his his uh, trademark backbreaker on him. I mean, everything that guy did, 
I mean, yeah, he took it so seriously, but man, he made you believe. But like, talk about the end of an era when the guy had like quite a bit left in the tank. Um, he could have had so many. I mean, him and Steve Austin could have wrestled another five times in key marquee matches. Those guys would have absolutely torn the house down. They really only wrestled three times on pay-per-view. And I think we were robbed of many more great matches between those two. Oh, man. All right, man. I think that's good. So uh, we just, we changed it up. If anybody has any thoughts, um, we included some wrestling. If you have any comments, any memories of Bret Hart or of the Montreal Screwjob, we'd be curious to hear your takes. You can email us at bayheightspot at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at bayheightspot. Uh, reach out to us. So thanks everybody. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Stick to your vision. Keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame.